Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Modern Yogi Podcast. We are on episode number... 46. 46. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for donating to our GoFundMe. We appreciate all of the help, all of the donations <laughs> that you've been sending through. For Thingamabobber 1 and Thingamabobber 2. Yes, and so we are so grateful. If you have any comments, questions, concerns about anything that we discuss, check us out on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. Podcast, oh, podcast. Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> Echo on that. That was nice. So we are on chapter six text number 41 a recap of our last episode ladies yes so yeah. it's very <laughs> quick brief recap <laughs> <laughs> it started getting very interesting arjuna's really like doubling down on the questions back to krishna it becomes really like a fired up dialogue right ping pong. yes a ping pong i like that yeah basically arjuna's like hey like what if someone can do this perfectly and krishna's like well listen they should really try like that's my opinion because like this would be good for them and then arjuna's like well, but yeah but like what if they because like this is really hard like what if they actually can't like right. what happens then is it like, lost forever like a cloud in the sky poof yeah like i'm really concerned like do we just become poor and then we just like disappear basically or do we what happens if our spiritual progress is imperfect in any capacity what happens if we stop for any way right. for any reason what happens then krishna tell me and that's basically the recap so right and krishna says no worries my child anything you put in your you. spiritual bank account i got you will always be there no one who is trying his best in this matter of spiritual progress needs fear of degradation you will Sweet. never fall down once you've taken one step towards me even if you fall down a little like practical terms on your path doesn't matter because long term you will always you come will back. not lose any money on your in your spiritual bank account <laughs> exactly <laughs> there you go all right what else uh, that's it all Beautiful. right invocation that is oh my god Shakshurun militam yena Tasmai shri gurave namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. All right, mm. chapter six, text number 41. Yeah, take it away. The unsuccessful yogi, after many, many years of enjoyment on the planets of the pious living entities is born into a family of righteous people or into a family of rich aristocracy. Aristo aristocracy. Thank aristocracy. you. Okay, like, so this is Krishna speaking, right? right. Yes. And so he's, uh, so he's answering that question that Arjuna has, like, what if I'm unsuccessful on this path of trying to be a modern yogi, lifetime after lifetime? Yes. And so Krishna's essentially saying, if you are unsuccessful and you're still making an endeavor, right? So you're building up that good mm -hmm. karma. You'll have enjoyment on the planets, like the, 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 of the pious living entities. So I know Priya, you mentioned these planets before, after we die, if yes. there is a lot of good karma in your bank account, you enjoy on this sort of heavenly planets. Yes. And Krishna is about to explain everything that happens in this process. Like he, he like Boy, talks right. about this? all the different, like, like, oh, if you tried for some little time, this happens. Uh -huh. And if you tried for a long time to be a yogi, this is what happens. Right. And like he describes it. And essentially one might hear this and be like, what does aristocracy or wealth or, or a good family, all of that, what does that have to do with being a yogi? And even if you fail, what does that have to do? But if you think about it in very practical terms, 
if you have your material uh, situation taken care of, you don't have to worry your life about, oh, I got to work. I got to put food on the table. My basic needs are covered. Yes. That frees up so much time in your day to dedicate to your spiritual path. So, okay, if you were an unsuccessful yogi and you dedicated so much time, at least Krishna is going to give you a material situation, whether it's a righteous family, so people who have our good mode of goodness, they have morals, or a family of aristocracy, wealthy, that you have your basic needs covered, a material situation that you can dedicate all of your free time if you choose so wisely to your spiritual path. Yes. yes. This is a fascinating, fascinating new thing that we've brought into this conversation, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. so it's tied in into the karma, right? And it's like, tied yeah. into karma and reincarnation. Yes. 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 But like, but that was so, I think theoretical, right? Yes. And now Krishna's being like, no, this is, you exactly. have, this is practical. Like you right. do good. You will be born into a family of good that will set you up for mm-hmm. success on your spiritual journey. Yes. Can, oh. I, can yeah. I read the purport? I'm yes, really excited. Yes, yes. Go crazy. Yeah. So it goes, the unsuccessful yogis are divided into two classes. One is fallen after very little progress. Wah, wah. And, <laughs> and one is fallen after long practice of yoga. Wah, wah. The yogi who falls after a short period of time of practice goes to the higher planets where the pious living entities are allowed to enter. Mm. After prolonged life there, one is sent back again to this planet to take birth in the family of a righteous Brahmana, Vaishnava, or aristocratic merchant. So basically, the idea is that if you did a little, right? The ones who only did this yoga practice for a short period of time, Mm -hmm. you're sent to enjoy in a higher, in like a nice planet, a heavenly planet where there's less suffering. Mm -hmm. And then you're sent back and then you're put into a family that either has uh, really beautiful religious morals or has wealth. So if you're listening to this and you have something good going for you in your life, even if you've never come into contact with bhakti yoga, but you have a good material setup, it doesn't have to be outrageously wealthy, but you have your basic needs covered. You have you know, whatever, a roof over your head, food on the table, or your family is, or th- that and or your family is mode of goodness, like Priya was saying, religious, spiritual, in any capacity, you've done something good in your past life to deserve that. You have some credits in your bank account from your previous life. Meaning you've already taken your steps forward in this path. You're not starting from zero. Yes. And so, Shamali, do you want to read about those that go for a little longer? Right. Uh, Well, basically, the next part of the purport, does it talk about those who are... I'm going to break it down because it says basically how the real purpose of yoga is to achieve the highest perfection of Krishna consciousness. So, okay, those who did not preserve to such an extent... Persevere. So, yes, persevere to such an extent and who fail because of material allurements. And so I'm guessing here they're talking about the ones who continued longer, right? Mm -hmm. They are allowed by the grace of the Lord to make full utilization of their material propensities. So after that, they're given an opportunity to live prosperous lives in righteous aristocratic families. So... Those who are born in such families may take advantage of the facilities and try to elevate themselves to full Krishna consciousness. So both situations that Priya and I just read sound very similar. Yep. What is the main difference between the two, between the yogi that practiced, the unsuccessful yogi who did it for a little bit of time and the unsuccessful yogi who practiced it for a long time? The difference in my eyes seems like the one who did it for a little time 
went first to the heavenly planets, then came back down, then got the chance to perfect it versus the one who practiced for a long time, didn't even go to the heavenly planets, but he immediately had a chance to perfect it, right? Catch which off what they which left off. seems like not a great thing. I was about to say. Like, oh, you would want to go to a heavenly planet. Right, when you hear that, you might be like, wait a minute, I got the short end of the stick. You, I want to go to the heavenly planets. Don't you exhaust planets. good karma when yes. you go to those planets? You do because you're just enjoying usually. Yeah, in those it's places. just kind of pointless when, when you're when you're. Thinking, it's a bit of a waste of time. It's a waste of time. You take a bigger loophole because when or a bigger roundabout. Roundabout. There yeah. we go. Loopholes are generally we we want those. those. Are the we, like them. We, we like, like them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. <laughs> right, right. So exactly, someone who's just coming into contact with this philosophy might be like, "Hold up, the unsuccessful yogi who did it for even less time gets the better deal, the better end of the bargain." But no, because like we said, they're just wasting time. They're they're just going there because okay, they did some a little bit of of good stuff. They, they have their good karma to burn off. So fine, go to the heavenly planets, enjoy there for a little, but you have to come back down and then start up again where you left off. Yes. The analogy that I like to use, either of you have ever been to Dave and Buster's? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you like work really hard to get a whole bunch of tickets, right? But if you take the short route, you actually get a prize and you like get like a teddy bear or whatnot, and then you get your prize. And then when you come back down to play again, you don't have as many tickets, right? Mm. Whereas the other person who just kept their tickets, and kept their tickets and kept kept their tickets they get a really big grand prize at the end right, right? Yeah. They, they are set up that's a little nice. bit better i yeah. like that a lot that's awesome yeah. so the yogi who was basically on the path for a long a lot longer and was unsuccessful he gets to really directly like christian's like okay just come here no detours come back just you're going to pick up where you left off and i'm going to set you up real nice with a family of either very moral good spiritual people or and or really a uh, uh, rich aristocratic family that you can be set up to really just focus and hammer down on what really matters in this life. Or financially stable. Let's what, just yeah. say that because sometimes that. it's not. What yeah. families do you think you guys were born in? Um, are you asking how wealthy or not wealthy no, we no, are? Like, to go into <laughs> no, that like, on air. No, <laughs> no I meant like, funny. I kidding. meant like, do you feel like your life was set up for bhakti? I mean... Yes. Do you, Priya, do you want to answer? Yeah, my straightforward yes. answer would be 100%. Oh, and I mean, you know we, what? I mean, Shamali and I were both born into this movement, which means our parents, 100%. you know, founded yeah. before us. So it, yeah. it definitely, um, we had a leg up when it comes to this. And it talks about people born into this, into the next uh -huh. decade. Oh, so I was about fun. to say, being aware of what you've been given is not being conceited. You're just, you know what? It's good to be aware of what's your situation. What am I working with it? Or what am I working with? And how can I work with it to make the most progress? And how do I not waste it? How do yeah, I not right? waste oh. it? How do I not? Oh. 100 percent it. very important someone might be born into it but just i mean you never really ultimately you're we, always gonna we always know gonna lots find of those people path. that are born into it and decide that oh i not don't know or yeah and maybe you know what actually i find it really interesting that it's never not for me I, I, yeah it's never not for me because they love krishna and they're always somehow connected but it's more so that they find the rules and regulations really difficult Fair. there's so many different varieties but you know what as we spoke about i think in the previous episode which if you haven't heard it go for it there, no one is ever lost. The believer, the non-believer. And if you are a believer, how how committed are you? Everybody at one point or another is going to find their way back home. Krishna's never going to let you go. So right. ugh, it's yeah. so subjective. But this notion of wrist... Uh, rich, arist say it? Aristocratic families. Right, right. And it doesn't mean that you were a devotee. Like sometimes if you were born into a rich family in this lifetime, it means that you 
you gave a lot of donations in yeah, your past pious. life. You Just were like very pious. Kind, you were very kind. You donated a charitable. lot. Like mm-hmm. that money has to come back somehow, yeah. right? And that's the notion of like, why are some kids born in South Sudan and why right. are some kids born to Kim Kardashian, right? right? It's and all about the piety from a previous life. And this is why the notion of karma coupled with reincarnation makes so much sense because people who don't believe in reincarnation, I don't think that's a fair starting point to think someone in a third world country who has to every single day work so hard and worry, what are my children going to eat? Someone who's just thinking of that versus someone who has all of their material needs covered Mm -hmm. and can literally just focus everything on their spiritual path. That's not an even playing field to say you have one life and that's all you get to make spiritual progress. And at the end of this life, you're going to go to either heaven or hell capiche, just as simple and straightforward as that. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. That's a very unfair, um, unjust God to me. And we have a really like loving, uh, compassionate God who wants you to have all of the opportunities to come closer to him. So that's why reincarnation makes so much sense, you know, and not to say that if you are struggling materially, you can still make so much advancement. Sometimes you're in a a position to make the most advancement because you're realizing this world is not all that. And you turn to spirituality. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it says those who are suffering, take the steps towards the Bhagavad Gita, towards this knowledge. But just to say that we get more than just this one life. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. I think uh, Krishna is answering this question really thoroughly. He's saying the money you put in your spiritual bank account will last forever. And these are the things that happen exactly depending on how much effort you put, how much money you put in there. This is exactly what you're going to get. Right. Right. Yeah. And so let's get into text 42. I just want to say one Mm -hmm. thing personally, because when you asked us, how do we feel about our situations? I think also giving credit where credit's due. I feel really thankful to my parents because likewise, that's what I was going to say. Shamli, it's in the next text talking about taking birth in a family. Right. Let's get to that. We're going to get there, but I'm just going to say one thing. about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Shamli. No, I'm just going to say one thing about the aristocracy because it's interesting to me. My parents were born into uh, very Catholic families in Argentina, very well-to-do, like aristocratic, fancy families. And both of my parents were like the hippies of the families that didn't want anything to do with that whole lifestyle. So they left everything behind. And I've said it before in different episodes. You have to hear all of our episodes to hear the backstory for all three of us. But it's cool because my parents were those pious, spiritual people who didn't want to buy into that that culture in a way. And they left everything behind and went to live in the mountains where they only had the clothes on their back and one extra pair. And I've said many times before, they slept like outside under the mountains. My dad put a little like roof in between four trees and that was where they slept. Very, very simple lifestyle, but elevated thinking. And I think that's very cool, especially when they came from a lot. They came from well-to-do families, but didn't want to buy into that. So I feel lucky to then have the parents I have because we'll talk about in the next one, but very like, yeah, good people with morals, with spirituality that then I was born into and they transferred that to me. I love that. (laughs) All right. Text number 42. Or if unsuccessful after long practice of yoga, he takes his birth in a family of transcendentalists who are surely great in wisdom. Certainly such a birth is rare in this world. Mm. Ooh, I wonder, because we interpreted the previous purport as the second half as, oh, someone who is unsuccessful after a long time might go immediately into it. But that could be the case, or they could also, as this yes. thing, right? Both right. options could be there. Yeah. Or you can be born into a family that gives you that help. Yeah. I feel like you're bursting at the seams. Okay, no, no, no. explain this one. Ah, well, it just <laughs> says, birth in a family of yogis or transcendentalists, those with great wisdom is praised herein because the child born in such a family receives a spiritual impetus from the beginning of his life. So like they, we receive a bit of a, 
a push forward, right? Yeah. And and I think that's a head that's start. A head start in some ways. I, I I grew up with Krishna consciousness being the the biggest thing I knew in my life, you know. Right. And I'm really grateful for it because I do think it takes an extra level of consistency and everything to find Krishna if you have no connection to it whatsoever. It's true. Right? That's right. the the great. Uh, mercy of having parents who did the fight did the right. searching did the everything to find the movement right right, mm-hmm. right they also say that it's uh depending on the desire of the parents a child also comes with similar interests if that right, makes sense right. right like we we are given the families we're given because you know we kind of match up like yeah. our soul is attracted to their souls it, it, it's kind of a yes. compatible situation and krishna makes it all work and karmic too and karmic exactly For sure so i think you know what looking around the table all three of us we're lucky to have our material needs covered you know we mm-hmm. we materially we're set so that we can focus on our spiritual path and we have also spiritual parents shama i ran into your mom every other day when i was in india you yeah. know so yeah. like you know you come from a pious family as well even though you always talk about okay i wasn't born into it but you know your mom is very spiritual and is also now a devotee yeah honestly thank you for bringing her up because she's my first guru in my yeah. life you know she's always 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 um just been the the beacon of like my like like my role model essentially right, right? right teaching me everything and everything correlated back to Krishna um and she taught me that growing up so right. I'm very very lucky to be her kid so I would say like for us check on material situation we're not struggling so that we can dedicate and check on Pi's family so yeah and I want to say good. like it, I I don't necessarily when you know oftentimes in this movement we think that people who were born into parents who were already practicing particularly Krishna consciousness, right? But I would say that you were born into it too, Shama. Yeah. Because your mom was already believing in Krishna being, right? No, she, I mean, she did believe in Krishna as one of the deities. She also believed in Durga and Hanuman and Ganesh and all that, right? Right, right. But then eventually she, she realized that Krishna was the, the the supreme amongst those demigods. But, but I still grew up with those demigods. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it's still a pious family. It's still a religious family that has traditions and trainings Mm -hmm. into spiritual. Because I mean, think about like the real situation of someone who isn't born into this is like, oh, I don't know, like a, I'm trying to think of a country not to single out anyone, but like an Italian person, right? Born into an Italian family, they're they're going to be born into a family. Actually, that doesn't There's even matter. There's temples in Italy. There's still uh. temples, not even temples. It doesn't matter. You can be Catholic, and it just it doesn't have to be a Krishna conscious family right, right. for no. it to be pious and spiritual. Exactly. So it, it, I think it could be a good Muslim family, yeah, a good Jewish family, literally yeah. Yeah. any family that has those tendencies towards tradition, God consciousness, yeah. Who are learned in their philosophies and are devoted to following those principles, right? Right. So, yeah, if you're listening to this and this isn't exactly your situation where your parents aren't devotees, don't get down at all. Because I've spoken to friends who like, it's so funny because we've talked before about don't hanker or lament for things that you don't have. And a friend of mine, he was like, I'm just hankering and lamenting that I wasn't born into a Krishna conscious family. I didn't get to go to India when I was younger. I'm Mm. lamenting left and right. Mm. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't even matter because there are so many situations and examples we can say of great elevated pure devotees when they passed away that they were not born into the movement i can think of one off the top of my head mother kirtita she was such a saint she's on the front cover of this one beautiful book called many moons or something like that uh, within bhakti yoga anyway doesn't matter she joined the movement uh 
later on. I, think I mean, even your guru, her, my guru, like yeah. Ashama's guru, like all, mm-hmm. all of the spiritual masters who are pure devotees and are older, a lot of them, I wouldn't say all, but yeah. well, most of them that are older, they joined like later in on 20s. in life, in their twenties, or even mother Kirchner, I brought her up because she joined, I think when she was 45, if I'm not getting confused, oh, cool. and she became such a pure devotee by the end of her life. Wow. So there's no, at no point is it a lost cause. Yeah, that's, so, that's exactly. Thank you for saying that because that's exactly the sentiment that I was trying to say. Right. It isn't only that you're born into a devote, like a devotee right, family. Right. There's so many other ways and there's so many other people who are exemplary who weren't born into it. So. Right. Like the point you were saying is good because you might be born into a family of God conscious people or even if they're not God conscious, they're moral people. They're so people, they're going to yeah. instill something in you that's going to help you get a leg up. Yes. So I love never it. a lost cause. Don't get down just because, okay, my families aren't Krishna conscious and I wasn't given yeah, that from birth. It doesn't okay. matter. That's okay. You're here now. You're a modern yogis listening to the modern yogi podcast with Beautiful. us. That's all that matters. That's all that yeah. matters. Yeah. What I love about that is like certainly such a birth is rare in this world. And mm-hmm. the, and I, I do want to be very grateful for the, what we do have in the births that we were born into because, yeah. because even Krishna says it's super, super rare, right? There's right. like a billion yeah. people that live below the poverty line. There's probably so many other families. There's billions of people on the planet, but like being able to be born into something that helps us with our mm-hmm. process is, is beautiful and rare. So yes. if you're listening to this right now, just take a deep breath and think, I am so grateful to be to the point where I am in contact with this philosophy. Yeah. How many people out there, like Shama said, are just struggling to survive with mm. no idea what is beyond this and riddled with anxiety of like, what happens after death? Is it just the endless void? So you've done something so good and so valuable that you are in contact with this timeless philosophy. Yeah. And it's not us saying it. It's Krishna saying it. It's Krishna <laughs> saying it. It is his opinion. All right, text 43. Okay. On taking such a birth. So this is still Krishna speaking. Yes. On taking such a birth, he revives the divine consciousness of his previous life. And he again tries to make further progress in order to achieve complete success. O son of Kuru. So yeah. Krishna is still telling Arjuna that no matter if you fell down the path, you're still going to pick up where you left off and continue making yeah. progress. The spiritual bucks are still in your bank. Yeah. yeah. And you, just you got them bucks. Back. You got them bucks. But we need bucks for our equipment. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. true. You don't lose anything. You pick up right where you left off. Right. 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 So even though, so that the people who were born into these families, uh, they practiced uh, spiritual practices for a long time, but they still didn't succeed. And so Krishna saves up all of that spiritual progress mm-hmm. and says, okay, you're born again and you're born from that state on, right? Yeah. So depending on your progress, you might have been kind of born, uh, like born to a different family right. that is either more serious about their spiritual life or less serious or right. whatever capacity it might be, right? Yeah. And to me, this verse makes so much sense. Like you can just see it, like the concept of an old soul. You can literally like... You come into contact with those kids sometimes that they say profound stuff and mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, yeah. this is not your first birth in the material world. You're <laughs> an a very old, old soul, soul right? Yeah. Versus you might talk to someone triple, quadruple your age and they might seem just so like, oh, wow. You, I mean, very young soul, very young soul, <laughs> right? Lost. Yeah. And it's not, it's not to judge. It's literally just to say 
we're at different points in our path, the oh, soul, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not in a judgmental perspective. It's literally like, okay, our spirit soul came down from the spiritual world into this material world, or it just came down to the material world without even getting into from where. So we came here and it's a linear path from point A to point B, picking up where we left off on from one life to the next to the next. So we're just at different points. Some people might be halfway, also, a quarter like, of the th way. There's no need to judge also in this sense. Like let's say someone was uh, born into a, like really spiritual family, right? right? Well, they might be making slower progress than a, mm -hmm. some, a person who was not born into a exactly. spiritual family who took it upon themselves. A person who wasn't born True. into a spiritual family who took it upon themselves, had a lot of credits, might be done in this lifetime, whereas that person right. might take a couple more lifetimes. The, it's so subjective. It is. It's it's not a matter of like, oh, well, you know, my parents are mm -hmm. devotees, mm -hmm. so therefore I am more elevated than you. And in fact, you. that not mentality is going to make you take more time. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. There's someone who actually listens to, a friend of mine who listens to this podcast, where he found Christian consciousness when he was like, I don't know, like 27. Mm. And in one year, he was reciting Bhagavatam verses wow. that I don't even know. You wow. know what I mean? And so like, it doesn't even matter if you were born. Sometimes you just have this impetus. Yeah. To, to succeed and go further in your Christian consciousness yes. and it lights a fire under your butt to be like, oh my God, I found something amazing. Let right. me let me spend my entire life learning about it more. And yes. so he was quoting the Bhagavatam wow. and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Honestly, <laughs> I'm oftentimes impressed. Sometimes you get that little bit of when someone comes new into the into the philosophy and the, to the Bhakti you know, practice. They they will look at read the Bhagavad Gita and say like, oh, if you were born into it, you must be so advanced. And oftentimes, like when I encounter someone who says something like that, I'm like, I think you're more advanced. You found mm -hmm. this on your own, and you what did the learning success. as an adult, and you're right. taking the time to make this great a priority success. in your yeah. life. Like, great success. Wow. <laughs> you know, I know so it's true. You're I, I want to give credit to everyone because it's not. You know, yeah. not that one or other is better or anything like that. Or this birth is better than this yeah, birth. It's no. like if you find There's... this philosophy and you do the work, that is the most, exactly. that's the amount of spiritual bucks that you can put. Anybody, anybody, no matter what situation you're born into, you can become a pure devotee by the end of this life. Be it that you were born in, not born in, you have families who are spiritual, not spiritual, whatever it is, it's just by your determination, your perseverance and your patience because it's going to take some time. Yeah, there's yeah. this one line of the purport that I love. It says, by the grace of the Lord, the mm. transcendentalist gets repeated opportunities for complete perfection in Christian consciousness. Mm. Yeah, our, so our endeavors on the spiritual platform never go in vain. I love that. So sweet. Should we do text 44? 44. Let's do it. All right. By virtue of the divine consciousness of his previous life he automatically becomes attracted to the yogic principles, even without seeking them. Mm. Such an inquisitive transcendentalist stands always above the ritualistic principles of the scriptures. Oh, Interesting. Right. So there's a lot to break down. What do yeah, you want to I love say? That. No, no, just a quick story. Like, so it literally by someone automatically being attracted to certain things. Like I have a friend of mine who was looking for something, looking for something deep and spiritual. And then there was like, uh, a Rathiatra parade, which is like a mm. giant Krishna parade that happens in a lot of different cities around the world, right? And she was on like the 35th floor of her condo and mm. she heard like drums from, mm. and then she heard that and she's like, what is that? Mm. And then something inside of her called her mm. to go down 34 like flights and then she oh. saw Krishna and she was like I need to know everything about what's going on right oh, now wow. it was like this crazy that's and that's how she that's became exactly Christian what Krishna is saying yeah wow. that's exactly what Krishna's talking about right here there's something inside you that propels you to either ask deeper questions or figure out something that that your mind has just been 
like questions of your mind and mm. like you're, you might go through an existential crisis or something. Something happens that sparks this this journey for you. Mm-hmm. And that's not a coincidence. That spark is not a coincidence. And that spark mm. that you have is sometimes, I mean, I think it says it's above ritualistic principles and scriptures, mm-hmm. meaning someone who's just doing yeah. every day, wake up, do this, do, 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 uh-huh. do. Not that it's bad, but it's like these rituals and, and scriptures that we follow without that spark of like, you know, inspiration, love, whatever it might be. It's, it's actually that, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to put the words together. If you have a better way it's of like saying it. It's like beyond logic. It's beyond like, like rational. It's like a feeling, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, actually, yeah, exactly. And it's the spiritual progress you've made that's pushing you yes, forward. Yes. Whereas the ritualistic stuff, like someone who just comes in and says, okay, I'm going to ritualistically do this right. is actually not above someone who has so much but progress that they're like, oh my God, what is yeah. this? I must find all the I answers. I must find it out, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Because it's not, the goal is not the rules and regulations. The rules and regulations push you to the feeling. The goal is the yeah. feeling, the love for Krishna. Yes. And I've said before that my spiritual master says that if you just rely on your own, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trudge through based on rules and regulations. You're not going to, that's not going to sustain you and last your whole life. You need to ride on inspiration. So if you're feeling a little stuck, find something to re-inspire you. Go outside and pick flowers for Krishna. Do something that'll inspire you on this path. I love this. Anything else in the purport? Mm. Mm. Just, you know, chant Hare Krishna. (laughs) (laughs) Chant Hare Krishna and be happy. All right, text number 45. All right. And when the yogi engages himself with sincere endeavor in making further progress, being washed of all contaminations, then ultimately achieving perfection after many, many births of practice, he attains the supreme goal. Ooh, I love this. This notion of this word practice has come up many times in this chapter, right? Practice, practice, practice. And I think it's important within sincere endeavor to make further progress and then you achieve, you achieve the ultimate Sincere goal. Sincere endeavor is important because some people might do the practice in a very robotic way. Like, yeah. oh, this is what I have to do. And or this a half-ass is, way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a family show. I, we yeah, cannot curse in British nor in English. <laughs> but it's true. You have to put in sincere endeavor. <laughs> Sorry. I'm and, silly. and then you achieve the goal. Yeah. And, you know, I like that you brought, uh, you highlighted the word practice, Shama, because this reminds me of a point, actually, that um, a friend of mine was saying that, you know, how do I put it to words? Anything that's worth achieving, even this material realm, takes practice. Elite athletes, how much do they train to get Mm. to the top, to be the best at their game? How much did you practice when you were trying to be a figure skater in the Olympics? I trained eight hours a day, six days a week, like 300 and let's say whatever, I don't know, 45 days a year. Wow. (laughs) Like every single day. I had Sundays off and I had, yeah, my entire day was dedicated to training practice. Eight hours in the day was training. I'd get home from hours of ice skating and doing off ice warm up classes. And then I'd go to the gym. Then I'd get home. I might go on an afternoon run. Then I'd get home. And like, I was constantly, constantly, constantly Wild. training, training, yeah. training, training. So, and, and you know practice, what? Practice, We've practice. talked so much about back to Ted. So in Ted Lasso, <laughs> that team, like one of them, he want Jamie wants to become the top player. So he wakes up at four 30 in the morning so he can squeeze in one extra practice to become the best, the top. Mm. So if it's going to take that much dedication, dedication to become the top in um, the material realm, Krishna, the highest, most 
the best goal ever, wouldn't it take just a little bit more than just, oh, let me dedicate some chanting when I have a little free time. Like it's going to take a little more than that. Not just in any spare, let me give my spare change to my spiritual bank account. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's going to yeah. take a little more than that. Let's really put more than just 1%. Like up until now, we've spoken about like, yeah, do whatever you can do. Put that 1%. But you know what, guys? It's the best, highest goal to achieve. So think about, you know, let's say uh, when you do, uh, you, when you try to get a certificate or I just wrapped up my master's program recently, when I was in the program, you make the time, you find the time to study when normally you think I don't have time, but you're in it, you're in the program, I'm going to do it. And then the outcome, you get a great reward. But think about how much dedication it'll take to reach the highest goal. So whatever you're doing now, try to step it up even a little bit more because this is something that's the highest goal. Let's, just, let's not just put our spare time to chanting like, oh, let me enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And oh, a minute before going to bed, I'll think of Krishna. And yeah. That's good enough. It's it, not. It takes, uh, like what I love about this verse is Krishna says many, many births of practice, <laughs> uh, yes. right? We've been doing this for a while. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast means you've been doing it for a while too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's because we have to wash away all the contamination mm -hmm. or like, and in that idea, I think it's like sometimes our, what might be greed, jealousy, like these qualities, right. anger, all of these qualities that we have to work to figure out, right? right? It takes a long time to process all of that and work faithfully to like get to know Krishna better and, you right. know, have that deep, meaningful relationship. And in the purport, they highlight also along the lines of practice, they say de with determination, therefore, he begins his unfinished task. They're talking about the, the yogi who fell down and was born into maybe a righteous or aristocratic or sacred family, basically a favorable condition for executing yoga. So with determination, we begin our unfinished task. And thus he completely cleanses himself of all material contaminations. So yeah, it's our unfinished business that we got to really tackle with determination. Because, you know, Krishna consciousness is the perfect stage of being freed of all contaminations. All right. Text number 46. A yogi is greater than the ascetic, greater than the empiricist, and greater, yeah, and greater than the fruit of worker. Therefore, O Arjuna, in all circumstances, be a yogi. All right. A modern yogi. <laughs> Which is the, the, the reason that we have this podcast is like Krishna sums this up in one verse. It's like, it is important for us to be a yogi. Yeah. yeah. Can we do it? Can, I'm, I'm just going to say, what are those words? Ascetic? So ascetic is kind of like um, when you think of... When you the, give up everything and yeah. you run into the forest and you mm -hmm. practice asceticism and you you wear very minimal clothing and you... What Arjuna yeah. wanted to do at the beginning of the battlefield, he's like, I want to run to the forest. And Krishna's ah, like, do yeah. not do yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. And then empiricist? Well, basically in research, we talk about empirical knowledge. We're... we're Priya, you're looking it up? It's like philosophizing? Yeah, we're I'm looking at it. We're philosophizing. We're empiricists. Theorists? I, yeah, yeah, theorists. Talk, talking theorists, theorists right? And greater than the fruitive worker. Someone so that's, who works just to get benefits from their work. Just to get the fruits of the trees. The, yes. The I monies. want to work to make the monies. Get the babes. Capitalistic Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so, those, so those are the three things that he mentions. A yogi is greater than those. So therefore be a yogi, Arjuna. Oh, yeah. so it says it in the purport. It says, yeah. so when, uh, when the, uh, so it says, when we speak of yoga, we refer to linking our consciousness with the supreme truth. I like that because side note, yoga means, we've said it before, it means union. So we're linking in union to the supreme absolute Truth to Krishna. Yes. So when we link in the process, uh, and it's mainly about the fruit of activities or doing things that give you results, it's called karma yoga. Mm. But when we do it 
<coughs> sorry, predominantly empirically. So like when it comes to knowledge and being theorizing, theorizing and all of that, it's called jnana yoga, which we discussed. Right. And then when it's predominantly devotional relationship with the Supreme Lord, it is called bhakti yoga. And bhakti yoga is Krishna consciousness, the perfection of all yogas. Right. That's important. And, you know, I like the breakdown of those three because ultimately, well, bhakti yoga is full spiritual knowledge. So as Priya said, it's the ultimate perfection. Nothing can excel it. So, and I like this breakdown then because we just listed karma yoga, jnana yoga, and bhakti yoga. So they say, tying it to the verse, asceticism or, or what again, Shama, did you say is asceticism? It's like running away and like being um, like a monk in a forest. Right, right. Yeah. So asceticism without self-knowledge is imperfect. Self-knowledge, I think they're talking about knowledge of the self, of yeah. karmatma, of Krishna in your heart. Yeah. So asceticism without self-knowledge self is imperfect. Empirical knowledge, that would be jnana yoga. Like, like a professor who just deals right. in theories. Scientist. Scientist. Yeah. Empirical knowledge without surrender to the Supreme Lord is also imperfect. And fruitive work or what? karma yoga without Krishna consciousness is a waste of time. Oof, wow. So that. they're saying like one without the other is incomplete, but bhakti yoga is complete within itself. It's the most highly praised form of yoga because it's just totally complete, the perfection of life. I love it. Anything else, guys? That's it. All right, we are moving on to the last verse of Ooh. chapter six. Gita. Text 47. And of all yogis, the one with great faith who always abides in me, thinks of me within himself and renders transcendental loving service to me. He is the most mm. intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. That is my opinion. <laughs> I love that. So what does what this mean? What a powerful verse. Why don't we, should we break it. it down one step at a yeah, time? Break it down. So of all of the yogis, right? Of, every, of all of the people, one who has great faith and always abides in me. Abiding meaning? They're within me and I'm in them. Love it. But not in a weird way, like just in the part. <laughs> sorry, I just said it and, I, and my in, mind in went there. In a loving spiritual way. Because literally, <laughs> Krishna's part of <laughs> Abide means to accept or act in accordance with. Ah, always abides in me. Thinks of me within himself. Also, right? a side note, abides because he's Paramatma in the heart. We've talked extensively about that. Krishna's in our heart. Like sticks to me. Yeah, we're Sticks in Krishna. To me. I love that. Okay. And thinks of me within himself, you yeah. know, okay. understanding mm -hmm. that Paramatma is there and okay. Krishna is with, within him, renders transcendental loving service, which is bhakti yoga, yeah. forming a beautiful, compassionate, kind, loving relationship with Krishna. That person, that person is the most intimately united mm. with me in yoga. And that is the highest of all. Mm. Amazing. So that relationship is the highest of all. Okay. I love this so much. All right, let's break down this purport. Ooh, so this is, this is the end. So it's it's summarizing it all together. Yep. Um, anyone who does not render service and neglect his duty unto the prime, prime primeval primeval that sounds evil. Prime no, no, <laughs> like the the prime. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It means prime. Uh, like uh, f um, it the means timeless from time immemorial. Right. Yes, I think so. Lord who is the source of all living entities, will certainly fall down from his constitutional position. Yep. So it's just talking about like we rendering service um, right. to Krishna. I mean, there's there's so much in this purport. It's just kind of, kind of summarizing everything there is to know about this 
whole chapter. Um, it talks about how all the yogas are meant to come to the point of bhakti yoga, right? right. Yep. And as we just said, we can talk about karma yoga being kind of the beginning, which is just, you know, working for results. Um, and then when we don't attach that to Krishna consciousness, it's not ideal, right? Right. Or we can talk about jnana yoga, which is um, karma yoga, but with increased knowledge and renunciation. Hmm. So this entire chapter can be summed up in what that guy said to you about like, what's the whole point of the Gita? You think, yeah, actually this one can. Right? Well, though, and what did he say? I always remember Krishna and never forget him. Yep. But but this is dhyana yoga and it's about meditation. So understanding Mm. the steps of the meditation. Right. Yeah. It's basically, it's kind of saying like, we've outlined the, the yoga system. Patanjali's yoga systems are like a ladder. Right. And that goes from the bottom to the top with bhakti yoga at the top. So it's kind of like saying like, okay, karma yoga was a fruit of work. But, and that starts off the path. We're laying out the path. Yes. Then you have jnana yoga, which is knowledge. Okay, jnana yoga increases in meditation of the super soul. And, and all we've talked about all these different, then we have ashtanga yoga. When one finally surpasses ashtanga yoga and comes to the point of the supreme personality of Godhead of Krishna, it's called bhakti yoga. And that's basically the culmination. It's the ultimate goal. That's what we're striving for. Yes, if I had to put it in my own words, I would say this chapter was about the processes of regulation, right? But the regulation and meditation, right? right? All the things that we should do and how, even though they might be very, very difficult, we should practice, practice, practice because the practice will lead us to Krishna. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. a great and summary. It's that. beautiful. And that's the, the summary of the yogas. There's a middle chunk of the purport that just, it goes into Krishna, into describing him. Do we have a sec to dive into that? It's so beautiful. It says, it is by great fortune that one comes to Krishna consciousness or the path of bhakti to become well-situated according to the Vedic direction. The ideal yogi concentrates his attention on Krishna, who is called Shamasundar, who is as beautifully colorful as a cloud, whose lotus-like face is as effulgent as the sun, whose dress is brilliant with jewels, and whose body is flower-garlanded. Illuminating all sides is his gorgeous luster, and it continues. He incarnates into different forms, such as Ram, Nishringa. We've talked about a few of them. And he descends like a human being. So here in the Bhagavad Gita, he's in his quote-unquote human-like form as, as Arjuna's what? Arjuna's cousin, right? Yeah, it says that he is the perfect child, husband, friend, master. And he's full of, with all opulences and transcendental qualities. Yeah. Krishna. He is the son of Mother Yashoda. It's just beautiful descriptions of Krishna. And if we remain fully conscious of these features of the Lord, we are then the highest modern yogi. Oh, I love it. <laughs> chapter chapter six has been wonderful. It has. And it has been really, really great. And we thank you all for sticking with us mm. during this chapter. Is there anything else that I missed before we can close this chapter? That's it. We're excited for the next chapter to come. All right. Yeah. Thanks for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you on the next episode with chapter seven of the Bhagavad Gita. We love you guys. See you next time. Bye. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi